You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. You ever had that moment in life where you wondered to yourself, man, I just desperately need a word from God right now. Perhaps you were looking at a new job and you were thinking to yourself, man, I, I don't know, should I take this job or should I not? And you got this list of do's and don'ts, right? Or like positives and negatives, pros and cons list, right? Like if it, I might have to leave this country, I might have to leave this state, I might have to move further away, it's gonna cost more money up front, but then it's gonna be better. And how do I know God is gonna work? Is it not going to work? Which one is it? Or maybe you were going through a season, you had to make a different kind of decision. You know, should I marry this person? Should I not? Or, uh, or whatever it might be. Then you might have this situation. How about you went through a, a tragic experience uh, medically, Somebody got sick, somebody died, something terrible happened. God, where are you? I just need to know, are you there right now? Do you care? Like, I just need a word from you. Maybe you went through a season where you sinned. And that sin kind of created this felt gap between you and God. And you wondered, like, God, are you still there? Have I gone too far? Have I finally gone so far that now you would quit on me, God? Maybe you went through a season of dryness. Now, I realize many here watching right now or watching even online, we want to welcome you. Um, I just heard this past week that one of the students in our group in Care India, we have a missionary team in Care India, he said he watches me online on a regular basis. That's humbling to think that our reach is literally going to the far sides of the world. But maybe you're watching online, maybe this is you. Maybe you've been through a season of dryness. Right, like maybe at one point you had a great relationship with God, everything was good, but now you just sense like this, this, this is, I don't know, absence. You wonder to yourself, like, God, why does it feel like my prayers go up and hit the ceiling and come back down? Whatever it is, at some point or another, you're going to have this, this kind of question. God, are you there? Are you hearing me? And I just need to hear from you. God, speak. Give me a word. Give me encouragement. Give me advice. Give me wisdom. Give me help. Give me something, God, because I just need you. And if that's you today, I just want to say welcome to Kingsway. This is not going to be helpful. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome to Kingsway. My prayer, here's the thing, my prayer all morning, you know what? Let's just pray my prayer. Father. We need to hear you. We need to hear from you. If you are everything that we have been saying you are, that you are at work all around us all the time, that you are pursuing a loving relationship with us even right now, that you are inviting us into what you are doing and who you are in the world, God, right now, we just need to hear from you. Some of us need a word of encouragement. Some of us need a word of conviction or rebuke. Some of us, God, just need provision. We need you to show up and provide and bless us, literally take care of us. Some of us, God, just need to be reminded again that we are dearly loved children. Some of us, God, need a kick in the pants. We need motivated to do something. Some of us need courage to get over our fears. But God, here's my prayer. It has been my prayer all morning, no matter where we are. God, would you draw people to Kingsway this morning who need to hear from you, and would you speak? And then, God, would you not let us have deaf ears and hard hearts? God, would you open our ears and open our hearts that we might hear from you, receive what you have to give us, and do it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember many seasons of my life where that was true. I remember one in particular. I was in high school. I was coming out of a difficult, long relationship. I was in a relationship that wasn't healthy for many, many reasons. I was part of the problem, but God had been trying to draw me out of this relationship. The relationship was leading me further and further from God. And I remember I was at a week of church camp, and I was out walking on the, church, the camp that I went to. It was called Round Lake, and there was this big lake, and it was round. That's where it got its name, right? 
And I'm walking out on this dock, and uh, as I'm walking out on this dock, I remember I'm just talking to God, and, uh, and I was just having this conversation with him, just saying, God, where are you? Like, I don't feel like I'm hearing from you. I don't feel like you're there. Like, I've been sitting here through the week, and the messages just aren't hitting me, and what I realized is I had created this gap in my walk with God through disobedience and through sin and through not listening to him. And so now I was in this moment inviting him back in and coming to speak to me and help me and challenge me and encourage me and do something with me. Don't leave me where he found me. And that's you today. I just want to give you some wisdom and insight how to even know if God is speaking and how to hear his voice. Let's take a look for a minute. In the book, Experiencing God, I've been asking you to pick up this book and read it. It's not too late. If you're visiting with us first time or maybe last week was your first time, go buy the book. You can buy it on Amazon if there's any copies left. And uh, you can walk through this book. It does a great job of explaining things that I'm hitting on. And there's a foundation to it that he's laid for us. But in the book, Henry Blackaby says this. God speaks when he wants to involve people in his work. He unveils his character to help them respond in faith. People can better respond to God's instructions when they believe God is who he says he is and that God can do what he indicates he will do. So there are two very powerful things I think come out of that quote. When God wants to move, he will invite you into his story, but he does it by anchoring you in who he is first and foremost. I think Henry Blackaby nails it. Two days later from my moment on the dock at that Round Lake camp, God called me into ministry. But it had to do with me anchoring my soul first in who he was. So the problem with many of us in America, if you read the studies by Gallup or by Barna or whoever does these different polls that you may read, what you will find is Americans have a general belief in God, but it's not specific enough to anchor them to anything. If God is nothing more than a construct of what I have made him out to be or what I have created him to be, essentially, I did to God what he first did to me. I made God out of my own image instead of him making me out of his. And the reason that's profound is the Bible tells us that God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is really, really good for you because that means nothing going on in the world, no president, no CEO, no business, no nation, no war, no rumor of war, disease, famine, nothing is changing God. He's not taking a, a, a chink in any of his armor. <clears throat> He's, nothing is kind of throwing him off course like, oh, I didn't see that coming. He is in every way at all times the same which is so encouraging because that means he's reliable, he's dependable, he knows you can count on him, and you can. So what God is going to do before he speaks into your life is he's going to anchor your life in who he is, but you have to have a right understanding of who he is to get that. Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it tells us this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Some translations may say many ways. The whole point is, in the past, God spoke in a variety of ways. And it's true. In fact, I have a very small list. I got this out of his book. But just to give you an idea, in the book, Henry Blackaby makes this point. God speaks through angels. Angels are spiritual beings that we cannot see. And occasionally, God says, go down there and communicate something. And he's done that. Many times. He speaks through visions. A vision in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, would be this moment where somebody would have something like a dream. 
Most often it happens during the day because it's a difference between dreams and visions. Except it's not just like a dream, it is a dream that feels real, it smells real, it touches real, like there's an experience going on. But when it's over, something profound has happened. There are, uh, there's this thing in the Old Testament called the Urim and the Thummim. Try saying that 10 times fast. The Urim and the Thummim is this breastplate that the high priest wore. There was only one high priest over Israel. And he was allowed to go into the presence of God one time a year and make a, 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 a sacrifice for sins. It was called the Great Day of Atonement. You can learn about it in Leviticus chapter 16. But the high priest was kind of this mediator between God and the people. Now, he would go before God with this Urim and Thummim on, and nobody knows exactly what it was. It had 12 stones on it. Each stone represented one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we think, again, scholars kind of disagree exactly what was there, but we think there were these sticks, a white stick and a black stick. And we're not sure exactly if they worked on the plate or if they took them off and they threw them on the ground. And whichever one came up was the winner. And it was how God actually spoke. And so usually the nation would go to God through the high priest and would say, God, can you give me a word? If we go into battle with these people, are we going to win or lose? And they throw the six out. If it came up white, yeah, go to battle, you're going to win. If it came up black, it's not going to go well, get out of there. And that was how they spoke to God. But there was no daily interaction for you or for the average Israelite. It was a national question, something of huge significance or importance. And the high priest mediated on their behalf. And that's really important for what we're about to say in a moment. There are other times he spoke symbolically through actions. Uh, For instance, and and this is one of those books I don't always know what to do with, but in the book of Ezekiel, he calls the prophet Ezekiel and he gives him all these like things he has to do. And one of the things Ezekiel has to do, and I I didn't write the number down, I think it's like 380 days he has to lay on his side, literally laying on his side as a sign to the Israelites of what God's trying to do. I read that and went, man, right now I got back pain from something I did with my boys yesterday. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you make it 380 days. But he was symbolically using that. God calls the prophet Hosea, and he says, I want you to go marry a woman, and she's going to leave you over and over and over again. In fact, she's going to become a prostitute, and you're going to go and have to buy your own wife back, and it's going to be symbolic of my love for Israel and how I'm pursuing them, but they keep selling themselves to other nations and to other gods. So sometimes God speaks specifically through a gentle whisper. He takes a prophet Elijah, and he shows him the storm and this tornado, and then he takes him to the mountain, and he just makes a still small voice, it says, and he spoke to Elijah to encourage him. I'm not in the storm. I'm not in the tornado. I'm in the small voice, Elijah. And another time, he speaks through miraculous signs. The, the, the number is uh, astronomical. You couldn't recount them all, but splitting the Red Sea, all the famines, and, and over and over and over again. He literally speaks through prophets. So he goes to Moses, and he speaks to the people. He goes to Jeremiah, he speaks to the people. He goes to Daniel, he speaks to the people. And the list goes on and on and on. And we're almost done. And then he goes to, let's say, a burning bush. He goes to a donkey. And you may think, I'm crazy. This may be the last time you ever step foot in a church, but the Bible tells us a story where uh, literally a donkey stops and speaks to the dude. He's like, I'm not going forward. And, and the guy's kicking the donkey. And he's like, hey, there's an angel on the road. And the guy couldn't see this angel there with a flaming sword. And you're like, talking donkeys, that's why I hate the Bible. And I get it. Like, when I say stuff like this, I feel stupid. Like, I'm not joking. But I believe it. And if you're out there and you're thinking, this is why I don't trust the Bible because you all have just drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid, that's after the sermon. If that's why, let me just encourage you with this. Just anchor your soul in this one thing. Was there really a man named Jesus? Did he really teach the words of God? Did he really die on a cross? Most historians will say all of that is true. The vast majority is not even close. Did he really raise from the dead? 
If you can settle that one in your heart, it's not hard to put the pieces of the other ones together. And I get it. You may say, no, I can't. I get it. But are you just going to walk away or do you want to ask some hard questions and do some hard research for yourself? Because if so, I'd love to point you to some books, some resources, some people, because at some point I had to come to those same conclusions. Roughly two years before this moment on the dock at this round lake experience that I had, I had to come to those conclusions. I'd grown up at a Christian home. I'd been taught about God and Jesus my whole life. I'd asked some really hard questions. In fact, at one point, roughly around 13 or 14, I said to God, you know what, God? I'm not so sure you're there, and I can't believe in you just because my parents do. So I'm gonna do what I want and live how I want, and I don't really care what you think or what you're doing. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And if you're real, you're gonna have to reveal yourself to me. And as I started to live a life that was distant from God, I felt more and more miserable in every aspect of my life. To where this dock moment was not the first moment, it was not the last moment, it was one of a series of moments where God had been speaking to me, drawing me, calling me, pursuing me, chasing me down, fighting till I was found. Because he's good. And here's the thing, I don't know how he's doing this in your life, but he is doing it in your life. He is speaking because God still speaks today. Now, throughout time, he's done it in different ways. But Hebrews goes on and it says this in verse two of Hebrews chapter one. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Now let's just stop there for a second. There's a lot to unpack there and we don't have time for all of it. When the Bible and the New Testament uses the phrase last days, did you know this? It's referring to today. But it's been referring to every day since Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. The last days, biblically, doesn't refer to the very final days right before Jesus returns, which is what we believe the New Testament teaches us about Jesus, that he is one day coming back to take his own with him. The last days refers to this is the last epic or period of time before Jesus' return where he will set up his kingdom. Now, that's huge for you because when you read passages like this, this has been going on now for almost 2,000 years. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of people who were Christians, many of whom were formerly Jewish people, and had come to believe that Jesus really died on the cross and rose from the dead. These are people who lived, were alive at the time when Jesus was alive. You know how hard it is to convince people that a man died and rose from the dead? It's extremely difficult to do. But the people hearing these verses believed it at one point. But life was so miserable for them. In fact, I date the book of Hebrews. I landed in a group that says it was written about the time of Nero's persecution over the, Jew, the Christians, especially the Jewish Christians. What he would do often is bury them alive or sometimes use them as torches for his party, as Nero would. And there were people watching this tremendous, intense persecution going on and they were walking away from their faith going, if this is what God has for me because of my faith, then I'm not sure I want anything to do with him. And the entire book of Hebrews, which starts with these first few verses, is trying to encourage the people, do not quit because it's hard. Keep going. And then the whole book is basically this. Because Jesus is greater. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the Urim and Thummim. He's greater than the priest. He's greater than the sacrifice. Where else will you go and find the hope that you're looking for? He is your hope. Which is why in verse three it says, the son 
is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is dripping with power and clarity about who Jesus is and why he came. The son is Jesus. He is the exact representation of God. You want to know who God is and what God's like? Study Jesus. And then it comes along and it says this here, that he is sustaining all things by his powerful word. He is both the creator and the sustainer. So through Jesus, God made everything. And then because Jesus was faithful in every way, he never sinned, we are told. And actually in the book of Hebrews, it tells us he was tempted in every way that we are. So he understands our temptation. And yet by just the power of his word, he sustains all things. Why is that word, word, not to be confusing, such an important word? Now I'm really confusing. The word, word is an important word throughout the Bible, which we call the word. We'll get to that. So John chapter one, verse one, it says this. In the beginning was the Word. Well, that's weird. We capitalized it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, not it, huh? He was with God in the beginning. Through him, not it, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him, not it, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What in the world is John talking about? John is literally saying everything that Hebrews already told you in a nutshell. That through Jesus, God made everything that you and I have ever known. It's through his hands he created everything, which means Jesus was there with God before. Now, why is John calling Jesus the word? Really? That's the great question. Why does John call Jesus the word? Why does Hebrews tell us everything's sustained by his word? Here's the answer. Because when we hear God's word, it's a revelation of God himself. So every time God sends a prophet, every time the high priest went and mediated between God and the people, every time um, a, a word of the Lord came to somebody, it was always a revelation of God to the people. In fact, just take a look real quick at three examples of this in the Old Testament. We'll just test this out. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Wait a minute. How does a word come in a vision? A vision is something you see and taste and touch and feel and experience. A word is something you only what? Hear. You don't hear in a vision. I mean, you do hear in a vision, but a vision is more than hearing. And yet, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So Abram gets an experience with God where he gets to actually somehow be in the presence of God. And God doesn't just give him words. God gives him himself. And you're like, what does that mean? Let's just give another example. Maybe it'll help make it a little clearer. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 21, it says this. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his what? His word. Wait a minute. There was no Bibles at that point. 
Moses hadn't come along yet. There's no Old Testament. There's no law. Jesus hadn't come down. So what exactly does it mean? Because when we say the word, typically as Christians, we refer to the Bible as the word of God, which is funny because we don't call it words. We say the word. But there's a reason. I'll try to get to that. But in this moment, the word came to Samuel. What does that mean? God revealed himself to Samuel. I'm still confused, Pastor. Let's try Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me. How does a word come to me? Like, word world. (laughs) Some of you don't know what word world is. Man, you're missing out. Word world, I should probably now clarify that. I used a dumb illustration. But word world is this cartoon where words become what they are. So a tree looks like a tree, but it's spelled out with the word tree. This is what it must mean. No. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah standing there and a word came to him. No, the Lord revealed to Jeremiah, revealed to Samuel, revealed to Moses, revealed to Abram, revealed to Elijah. The word of the Lord revealed to them who God is, what God's like, and what he wants to do in the world. And Jesus is the ultimate revelation. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything in the New Testament points to Jesus. Everything in your life and my life points to what? The cults. Come on, people. I'm just kidding. (laughs) To Jesus. How do I hear from the Lord? It's simple. I become like Jesus. A year or so ago, we, we, we kind of made this shift in our mission's purpose statement. We had this statement before that um, directed our steps. And we didn't make a big deal about it because there was just some stuff going on and we're like, you know what? Let's just make this shift. At the end of the day, we will win. We will stand before Heavenly Father and succeed and high five God and each other if we do this, if we just become like Christ. How do you know you're winning as a church? What's your purpose in the world? Our purpose in every moment and in every way is to simply become like Christ. And the more we become like Christ, the clearer and the more obvious God's will becomes. Paul makes this crystal clear in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, you may not know what that means, but in the Old Testament, they would offer sacrifices to God for overcome their sins. And they'd have sacrifices for, for thank offerings, to say thank you, God, for everything. They'd have uh, all kinds of offerings for God to, to direct him or to try to get God to do something on their behalf or just to make up for something. And Paul says, you know what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So you're not literally dying, but it's like you're dying. You're laying you down. And he says to do this, to discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. You're going to lay down your life. You're going to become like Jesus Christ. You're going to stop wanting what you want, doing what you want to do. You're going to surrender to him, become like him. And when you do that, you will know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so, Pastor, I think I'm starting to get it. I'm not sure. Let's try this for a minute. Okay, so if Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, and then he went to heaven, how do I hear from God today? That's what I'm really trying. I'm confused, like, I don't understand. There's no breastplate on the high priest. Like, what, help me understand this. Well, here's the answer. And again, I'm taking this out of the book. God speaks today by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Let me see if I can explain the entire Bible to you in about three minutes or less. Ready? This is going to be hard. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that he did that through Jesus. He formed the entire universe, formed the earth, animals, trees, fish, the whole nine yards, water, land. And then he made something special, Adam and Eve. And we're told that he made them in his own image. In his own image, he made them. And they were naked and had no shame. Adam and Eve walked around the garden. There was no anxiety. There was no fear. There was nothing in their life to distance them from God or from each other. And they enjoyed the blessing of that place until Adam and Eve sinned against God. They did the only thing God asked them not to do. My boys are learning this concept. And when things go wrong in the house and they get hurt, they'll literally say, thanks a lot, Adam. I'm like, all right, kids, calm down here. You played a part in this too now. So when Adam and Eve sinned against God, it changed everything, everything. Well, how do you mean? Well, if you were to study the early chapters of Genesis, what you would see quickly is God comes out of heaven and he walks with Adam and Eve. Adam is literally God's ruler on earth. He is God's steward of God's creation. But God has given it to him. He said, be fruitful, multiply with your wife. If you're not sure what that means, um, email Billy Edmonds, Edmonds at kingswaychurch.org. Today is his birthday, by the way, so if you see him, say happy birthday. But he said, be fruitful, multiply On the earth, you're going to multiply the image of God, and you're going to go outside this garden that I made for you, and you're going to take the garden outward to the ends of the earth. You're going to fill it with God's glory. So Adam and Eve were ruling and reigning on the earth through God's power and provision and authority handed from God to them. But when sin occurred, there was a cosmic battle going on. Satan had tempted Adam and Eve to fall away from God. So now the angels are split up, probably most likely a third have gone to the dark side of the force. And Adam and Eve are now outside a perfect relationship with God. In fact, immediately clothing become a part of the picture. People will argue with you, like my boys have tried to do at times, that nakedness is natural. I'm like, yes, but God covered you, so go put your clothes on. Where did clothing come from? It came from us hiding Because now that sin is in the world, things are not the way God intended them. And because things are not the way that God had intended them, there's brokenness. My heart and your heart is bent towards sin. I don't ask every day, all the time, God, what do you want me to do here? I often ask, what do I want to do here? This is what Paul's referring to when he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The whole point is, I have to come back to the garden and re-surrender to obeying God. This is what Jesus did, which is why he was worthy to be my savior. Now, this is huge, because while I'm saying all this, God removed Adam and Eve from the garden, but he never stopped pursuing. And with each generation, he got a little bit closer, and a little bit closer, and a little bit closer. To where he calls Abram and changes his name to Abraham and says, I'm going to create a nation through you. And the nation of Israel is born out of his grandson, Jacob. And he keeps getting a little closer and a little closer. We get down to King David and David wants to build a temple for God, but God says, no, you can't. But his son Solomon builds a temple and God literally resides in that temple and the high priest and others would come to the temple to meet with God. But God said, no, 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 we can get even closer still. So when Jesus shows up on the scene in John 14 and 15, he starts trying to explain to the disciples, I have to leave you. And they're like, why would you leave? We thought you were gonna set up a kingdom. And he says, essentially, I did set up a kingdom. I'm setting it up in your heart. And it's better for you if I leave because I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'll send God to live in you. God won't just be with you. He won't just step out to heaven and meet with you. He won't just be a prophet who speaks to you. He won't just be a high priest who mediates for you. He will be in you. 
This is why Jesus really is greater, because it's God in you. It's like nothing that the world had ever known. So now, yeah, you can clap for that. And that Holy Spirit in you is directing you and speaking to you and encouraging you and challenging you. How does he do that? He does it through the Bible. He does it through prayer. He does it through circumstances. He does it through the church. He's doing it in many times in many ways today. But here's the thing. God will never contradict himself because he is unchanging. He is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present and all-loving all the time. He is always faithful, always dependable. He loves justice. He hates injustice. Hates. That's a word he uses. He loves righteousness. And by the way, he loves mercy because mercy is better than justice. The judgment. He loves it. That's who he is. So the way that you discover God's will, God's voice, is you get to know him really, really well. Do you know who your best friend is in the world? This isn't a spiritual question. God, Jesus, Bible, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm asking, do you know who your literal best friend is? That one person, you go to them and they're always there. They're never gonna fail you. Do you have that person? If you don't, by the way, we wanna help with that. But do you have that? Because the reason you have that is because you're with that person. It takes time, investment, relationship. It takes conversation and not just one person doing all the talking. Nobody calls their best friend the one who does all the talking. At some point, you gotta shut your mouth and listen, right? God gave you two ears, one mouth. There's a reason. You have to actually get into the moment and listen and God is a being and he created you for a relationship with him and that's what he wants. So the way that we hear God's voice is we read his Bible, his word, the, the words that he, through his Holy Spirit he gave to his people to write down and say, this is what I'm like, this is what I've done in the world, this is what I'm doing in the world, would you like to join me? And the way that we can test what God is doing in the world is we get to know him better and better and better and then we can start to discern, does this sound like something God would do? Well, how can I know with absolute certainty? Did Jesus do it? Did Jesus care for the poor? So is caring for the poor God's will? Did Jesus tear down the walls of racism? So should we tear down the walls of racism? Did Jesus plant churches? Did Jesus spread the gospel? Did Jesus give sacrificially and generously? Did Jesus live his life where he was constantly pouring out for others? Did Jesus spend time with people nobody else would spend time with? Did Jesus offer up his own life as an offering to Father? See, the better you get to know Jesus, the better you can discern what Jesus is doing in the world because you'll go, yeah, that looks and that sounds and that feels like Jesus. And so God will often speak to you. Here's what I have found. He'll speak to me, and he usually won't let it go when he wants to do something. It'll be a song on the radio, a Bible passage I read, a book that I'm picking up, a conversation with somebody, and it's like I'll literally get in my car sometimes after like the 10th or the 20th because I'm thick-headed, and I go, okay, God, I get it. I hear you. Okay, I'll do it. Fine. I'll tell my wife how amazing she is. You know, like, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. But I know because God is so persistent in his voice in the ways that he speaks and leads and moves. Henry Blackaby says this in the book. Jesus promised his disciples that the Spirit would help them in the same way Jesus had helped them. 
He said the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. He would convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. He would prepare them for things to come. He would glorify Christ. He would take what he heard from the heavenly father and share it with them. He would bring to their remembrance everything that Jesus had taught them. The Holy Spirit will also help believers to pray when you don't know what you're supposed to say. God intended for the Holy Spirit to be extremely active in believers' lives, communicating his will and purposes to them. So how do I get the Holy Spirit? How do I learn more about God's word? How do I begin to understand who God is, what Jesus looks like, so I know how to discern God's will? These are great questions that may take you more than one or two conversations. They might take years for you to read books or to listen to sermons or to study, but you have to start with that initial decision, do I care enough to go further than sitting in a chair for an hour on a Sunday? And if the answer is yes, let me just tell you, there's a whole voice of God out there that wants to reveal his will and his ways and his purposes to you. And we want to help. We put something together called our core series, our core series. Um, it's actually going on already, even right now today. You could technically do this today. Basically, our core series is a four-week series, and every, first, every month it starts over. There may be a fifth week where we get a break. But basically, the first of every week is, um, it's about how to follow Jesus. What does it mean to give my life to Christ? What does it mean to be baptized? What, what, how do we do that? The second Sunday every week is about our core beliefs, our statement of faith. What does it mean to basically have basic Christian thoughts? If you are coming to us from another town and another church, this would be a great place for you to learn a little bit about who we are and what we believe God has said in the world. Uh, our, the third Sunday is about core values. Who is it as a church we believe that God has called us to be and how are we planning to get there? And then the fourth Sunday is about our core actions. How do we actually live out of all these other things? You don't have to take them in order. You could show up the first week, second week, third week, fourth week. The whole goal is if you ever wanna be a member, you gotta take all four weeks. And our goal and our job is to teach you and train you how then to begin to understand who God is so that you can discern what he wants to do in the world. It's not too late to sign up. In fact, I would encourage you to pull out your Connect card in front of you. It's gonna look like this kind of a reddish color there. It's good Buckeye color, just saying. Notice the gray. Anyway, and um, just put your name on there, phone number, email, and you can walk out to our Connect counter or our Welcome Hub out there and just say, hey, I think I want to sign up. I want to get some information. Can you help me get connected? You can do that right here, right now. Let me just close with this. Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to hear from God? My guess is some of you might be saying yes. Some of you might be saying no. And the reason that some of you might say no is because uh, deeper in your heart, you might be afraid of what he tells you to do. It's not always easy when God tells us to do something. He might call you to be a pastor. I was gonna be a lawyer and have 2.5 kids in this big white house with white pillars and a white picket fence. I don't know why I was obsessed with white at 17 years old. God said, no, I want you to be a pastor. And that was hard for me at first. There's been times that God's told me to do embarrassing things, humiliating things. There's been times that God has led me to do hard things and sacrificial things. But I'll tell you what, not once in my life have I regretted doing what God asked me to do. Not once. Do you want to hear God speak? I think Henry Blackaby says it best. He says this. God speaks 
when he has a purpose in mind for your life. Two things are crucial as you respond. First, you must immediately begin to adjust your life to what he says. Second, you must be prepared to remain obedient as long as it takes for God to fulfill his purposes. Does God want me to stay in this relationship? Does God want me to stay in this job? Does God want me to serve in this ministry? Does God want me to give this thing? Does God want me to leave and go here? I know this. When God's ready to direct your steps, he will speak. Will you listen? Will you obey? Let's pray. Father, we've asked you to speak. We've asked you to not let these words fall on deaf ears and hard hearts. We've asked you to move in this place. You know the message, Lord, that you need to speak to every single one of us. So here's our prayer, Heavenly Father. As we come into this time of communion, may you meet with us here. God, I just wanna pray this prayer really quick. God, if there are some in this place who need to hear your voice related to sin in their lives, and they're terrified. They're they're afraid to let it go because they don't know what they're gonna do with this thing when they let it go. They're afraid they'll fail again. They're afraid to tell a friend or their parent or their spouse about this thing. God, I pray right here, right now in this place, meet them, speak to them, encourage them, give them courage and boldness. God, if there are people in this place who have been trying to search out whether to respond in faith and give their lives to you and to unite with you in baptism, but they're afraid. They're afraid of what their friends will think. They're afraid of what their parents will think. They're afraid that somehow they'll be mocked or made fun of. God, I pray for you to meet them right here, right now. Speak to them and let them know you love them. And if God is for us, who can be against us? God, if there are some in this place right now and they have heard you calling them into something new in their life, some form of ministry or mission or opportunity, but God, it's terrifying. The unknown is paralyzing with fear. Father, would you meet them right here, right now, and speak. Speak your words, God, a conviction that they might be moved deep in their spirit to respond and to stay with it until you tell them otherwise. God, if there's some in this place right now and they're just so fed up with the fighting with their spouse and in their family and they're just ready to quit and walk away, oh God, would you show up and speak right now? Would you give them words and encouragement, Father, however you choose, but would you let them know in the same way that you are unchanging, you hold true to your promises, you stay faithful in the face of faithlessness. God, you are forever trustworthy. God, would you use these ideas, our understanding of you, expand it, God, that we might better stay faithful to the promises and the commitments that we've made to others. Father God, If there's some in this place who are dealing with some sort of uh, diagnosis or terrible news and their faith is wavering, they're questioning your goodness, Lord, would you meet them in this place and would you speak? 
Would you speak your tender words over them right now? Would you remind them that you have not failed them, that you have not left them, you will not forsake them? Would you take out those big old daddy arms that you have? Would you wrap around them? Would you just whisper your presence to them and say, I am Father, meet us in this time of communion and say whatever it is we need to hear and make us obedient to your will. In Jesus' name.